0: You're listening to the Crypto Markets Wiki Podcast, brought to you by John Lothian News. Welcome to the Crypto Markets Wiki Podcast. I'm Matt Rabel, joined here in the studio with Tom Thompson. Okay. Hi, Matt. Hi, Tom. How's it going? going well. How are you? I'm I'm doing pretty well. There's no shortage of things to talk about this week. So Bitcoin options are real hot right now, aren't they? No, in fact, they're not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're very newsy, but they're not at all hot. So CME started on Monday with their options on futures. Mm-hmm. They traded a grand total of 55 contracts, um, which is a lot more than backed or ICE's backed Futures options traded uh, since about, they started. It was about 47
0: around the same time,
1: right? 47 they traded that day, same day. Right. Yeah, But in total, CME's 55 on a Bitcoin basis. Yeah. Their 55 uh, outperformed ICE's uh, month-long uh, trading. So, month, yeah. total of, of Bitcoin options traded by ICE. So, that was uh, all pretty disappointing, I think. Uh, I'm not surprised. I don't think there's a great appetite for these things. Mm -hmm. We don't see either exchange working very hard on their options. Both of them are pretty, uh, I don't know, nonplussed about Bitcoin and crypto derivatives in general. So it's not a surprise.
0: Well, do you think The fact that they're regulated exchanges has anything to do with that because Deribit, which is an Amsterdam-based exchange, soon to be a Panama-based exchange, which apparently they're doing that for regulatory reasons, has been boasting way more volume than that for a long time. They've been doing Bitcoin options for a much longer time as well.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's any demand for regulated actually for regulated uh, derivatives in the United States at all. I mean, Bitcoin-related ones, uh, there's relatively little. Uh, BitMEX outperforms everybody in the uh, futures area. Yeah. Um, and those, Darabit...
0: Those perpetual swaps are uh, yeah. pretty pretty tasty.
1: Yeah. So I'm not surprised uh, that Darabit, which has established itself and has attracted uh, really active options traders, I don't think people who want to trade options are really particularly attracted to regulations. So Mm -hmm. once these guys get up and going, the
0: liquidity is theirs uh, to keep or to lose. Yeah. Well, speaking of regulation, sounds like Kraken has been getting a lot more regulatory requests. Um, Earlier, they were complaining that they have uh, they've received fifty percent more regulatory requests, or they did anyway in twenty nineteen compared to twenty eighteen. And uh, I believe was it the CEO Jesse Powell who was uh, went on record. I know that he has in the past uh, made news for complaining about similar things. Like when Kraken left New York, he posted this huge, big, long rant about how New York's uh, Department of Financial Services was anti-innovation and. All this kind of stuff. And he, and he is famously very, you know... He's a whiner. <laughs> In short, I mean, he's a whiner. Yeah. He, he, he does seem to, seem to get really, really, really mad about people enforcing rules on what he does or his exchange does. Yeah. And these were just... Actually, these weren't rules. These were
1: requests from uh, the FBI and other similar agencies around the world. For identity and account movements, uh, for his customers' trading trades that have happened on his exchange, yeah. and among all of his pissing and moaning, he exclaims that he has costs of a million dollars per year doing this. Whoa. Responding to these, yes, and he, Whoa. he, you know, he's a many, many hundreds of millions of dollars profit exchange. Yeah. So. The million dollars doesn't that, cause that anybody to That sounds like a cry. normal amount of overhead. Yeah, th- people aren't crying to, because he's he has that. The other thing was that the number of inquiries was not very high. It was about seven hundred and fifty, if I remember, which is not a huge number of inquiries. So it's he's not being pestered to death with um, requests. You know, of you know a hundred a day. It's more like two to three per day.
0: Yeah. So. So compared to a regulated exchange, traditional let's let's say CBO, you would say that that's pretty normal, or is it a little less, a little more?
1: No, oh, it seems it seems low. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the, these are inquiries of a special nature; they're anti-money laundering ones, and so. But mm-hmm. if these are the total requests that they get for yeah. you know, market surveillance and
0: uh, trade practice surveillance and things like that, it's pretty modest. And you would think that it would be more than a regulated exchange, right? Because this is an unregulated market fundamentally, so it's not very well, the market surveillance is not very robust. There are a lot more things that can go wrong and a lot more opaqueness to it. Yeah. So you would think that... Well, we also don't know how many times they've been sued. Yes. So
1: in the regulated world, a lot of the times the people who are coming, complainants that are coming to the exchange would be government agencies. But in a... In a non-regulated environment, the people who are coming to it would be their customers, yeah. um, service providers, and things like that. So, they could be facing a lot of um, litigation. Uh, yeah. Otherwise.
0: Yeah. So, Kraken uh, obviously has been having some issues, but they have made uh, they have recently made uh, broken new ground in the Pacific. Specifically, they have bought uh, an Australian exchange. Uh, you were telling me earlier that the move was kind of timely, considering
1: that they're yeah they're apparently they're moving out of Japan. Yeah, so um, the Japanese authorities seem to be getting a little bit more regulatory, mm-hmm. um, and so I guess Kraken doesn't feel that it can thrive in that environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's getting out of Japan, but. It's going into Australia, as you mentioned, and they are doing a big push in Russia um, yeah. for the Kraken Futures. And Kra- Kraken Futures is the uh, new name for what was called Crypto Facilities, mm-hmm. uh, the London-based uh, derivatives exchange, which yeah, they yeah. bought a couple years, about a year and a half ago, I guess. Now, yeah,
0: and Japan's typically a very class- uh, traditionally, it has been pretty pretty warm to crypto, I would say, Uh, but they have also been more hands-on in terms of regulation like the establishment of, um, oh, I'm blanking on it, but.
1: Yeah, they have a a supervisory authority. They have a license there. They have a licensing regime. Um, They're one of the first first um, jurisdictions to put in an affirmative licensing
0: program. And, and, that, and that whole movement was made of not only Japanese regulators, but also members of the crypto industry, as I recall. Uh, well, yes, because
1: these guys get hacked all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so. so, yeah, Japan's also where people go to lose their money to hackers. Um,
0: so. yep. I'm sure Mark Carpellis would agree. Yeah.
1: Well, moving right along here. Well, wait, before we leave Japan, one other thing. okay. okay. That has come out of the island is that they are trying to put in limits on leverage. Mm. So leverage will be uh, at um, two times leverage. So ah. a margin level of about fifty percent on the regulated exchanges. Okay. Uh, in the in the U.S., the futures markets have been kept to a leverage level of three times. So um, about 33%, 35, oh, actually 37%, 38% um, margin levels. Gotcha. So.
0: Well, you know, while we're while we're in Asia here, I'm, I'm digging the climate, I'm digging the feel. So let's, I say we, we spend a little bit more time in Asia here because I wanted to talk about Bitmain. Uh, recently, there well, Bitmain's former CEO publicly questioned the company's need for layoffs. They have, of course, been having huge layoffs lately, and uh, I found that kind of interesting because Argo Blockchain, uh, which is a, a mining firm, announced right around the same time that it was going to be buying a ton of Bitmain's signature ant miners, increasing its mining capacity by 75%. And once that purchase was to be completed, I believe they, they were planning on going even further, which, which is crazy to me because it seems like mining companies currently well, I guess Bitcoin's back up. So mining is more profitable again. But it, it kind of seems like they're not hurting that badly for business. Bitcoin's back up. They're getting all this business from other mining firms.
1: Well, one, th- one thing to remember about Bitmain is that it does not manufacture the machines at all. So it assembles them and it designs the chips. He, it de- So it's um, more of a, um, I forget what it's called, but it's a a fabulous, fabulous manufacturing. So they don't actually fabricate anything. Mm -hmm. So they can probably, if they are not innovating, not designing new chips, they can, and and the manufacturer of the chips is outsourced to a company in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. So they may not need the same number of employees depending on where they are in their design cycle. Um, maybe the, the designs are not leaping forward that fast. Um, so, And they may have different kinds of manufacturing or distribution um, agreements. So it's hard to know what's going on there, but um, it yeah. is interesting that um, the ex-CEO is trying to stir up trouble with the current employees. Now, he can yeah. do that because he's still a very large... Shareholder. He's one mm-hmm. of the founders of the company, so he probably still owns about. Yeah. His name's McCree, something. McCree is his first name, um, and he owned a, a larger portion of the company than Jihan Wu, who is the face of the company, but was the other co-founder. Sure.
0: So he he's there to cause trouble. He can cause trouble. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well. So uh, we have a couple other things to talk about here and uh, I want to save one the, I want to save the the big one for last cuz I know it's your favorite topic. Yes. So before we can get to that I just wanted to make time to mention that Bitwise which previously had a request filed with the SEC to list a Bitcoin ETF has withdrawn that request which I'm starting to sense a trend. It's almost like every Bitcoin ETF that has been proposed has not been successful either because it wasn't greenlit by the SEC or it was withdrawn. Well, this latest one is in that vein. They, it was
1: turned down by the SEC's um, Division of Trading and Markets, I believe, in um, October. Mm-hmm. And at that time, or shortly thereafter, the commissioners themselves. So the, the commission level said that they would review um, the application. Mm. So that's on normal business. Um, sure. I mean, it's kind of unusual that the, uh, that the commission steps in and says they will review it um, such a uh, denial, mm-hmm. but it's not that unusual. It's not extraordinary, shall we say? Sure. So they stepped in to do that and all of a sudden, last week, Bitwise withdraws it. And yeah. they probably withdrew it because they were going to get turned down. Mm. So they probably had Bitwise has has claimed in public that they've had at least eight meetings with the commissioners mm-hmm. or with the commission. Mm-hmm. and So they probably have a pretty good signal that it was going to be turned down. They probably don't want the reasons for the the denial to be put in writing because yeah. it's it makes it harder for them for the commission or a commission later to reverse or change its mind or to soften its approach.
0: Yeah. So this is and this decision is definitely not an indicator of lack of interest. Uh, I believe a spokesperson for the company said that they still intend to relist, but they're going to do it at the quote appropriate time. So it sounds like they're sort of waiting for the climate to become more friendly towards Bitcoin ETFs, if if it does. Well, I, I yes, they might be waiting for that,
1: but they really should wait for. They'd have better like, chance
0: waiting for Godot. Yeah,
1: they need actually. What they need to do is read the Jay Clayton's statements. Jay Clayton's the chairman of the SEC, mm-hmm. in which he has said that it needs to there needs to be real volume on regulated marketplaces mm-hmm. uh, before they will allow that. Yeah. Since there are no regulated marketplaces for Bitcoin, it's not going to happen.
0: Which, as we mentioned before, is kind of a tricky thing to achieve when demand seems to be kind of low compared to other regulated derivatives. Yeah. So, well, this, I mean, we're not even talking derivatives. We're talking about
1: spot markets. Yeah. There's no format for spot market regulation. Well, that too. Yes. Yeah.
0: So, So well, it's, uh, it's time, Tom. It's, it's time to talk about Libra. Are you excited? I love Libra. Why don't you tell me what Libra has, tell us, I should say, us, me and the listeners, what Libra has been up to. I understand they have created a new committee, Yes, and as we
1: all know, nothing moves forward faster than when it has a committee behind <laughs> it. And the more committees it has, the faster it will move to development, I am sure. That's so right. this development is a technical steering committee. Yep. 5 people, mm-hmm. which I think is far too small uh, for a committee. Committees should have at least 11 to 15 members. Yeah, how are members.
0: you going to get groupthink with yeah. only a- Five people. Five
1: fine. people, yeah. It's it's just way too small. Yeah. Among the – a couple of the people – one of the pre- people on the committee is from uh, Calibra, the technical mm-hmm. part of Facebook that is supporting this. And one's from a venture capital firm and one is from Anchorage, which is the um, – one of the most sophisticated cryptocurrency custodians. So that – Sure. That's good. And then, because you don't want to let this opportunity go to waste, they are signaling their virtue Mm -hmm. by um, putting in the IT director of, I think it's called Mercy Corps, which is a non-governmental aid organization. Mm. So
0: they are optimizing. They're optimizing. They're, They're ready to rock. Yep. It, uh, yeah, it really seems like they are trying to—they're trying to dot all their dot all their Js and cross their Ts. Yeah, right. That's how, that's how that phrase works. I think they are um, trying to break my heart.
1: You know? Oh. oh. Yes. I—I I was hoping for a little bit more speed, a little less bureaucracy. Um, yeah. But you know, I have my faith in uh, Mr. Zuckerberg and his minions, so. We'll see. We'll his see.
0: minions. Yes. Okay, I just, the minions. Yes. She's. As soon as you said that, I just had the image of, like, the Zuckerberg minions, being yes. followed by the, by the... The minions. The yes. minions. The yep. little yellow guys. Yes. Uh, and somehow, somehow I find that existentially well, terrifying.
1: I um, find having committees more existentially terrifying than being followed by minions. That too. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well... Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Crypto Markets Wiki Podcast. I Tom, think there's one last thing. What? Oh, we got a we got a surprise topic. What's uh, up? It's not a surprise topic.
1: Oh, it is the career of Chris John Carlo.
0: Oh yeah, Crypto Dad, Crypto mm. Dad. This week
1: got into the news twice. <laughs> um, mm. One for becoming the Non-executive chairman of this securitization association formed between Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae mm-hmm. in the mortgage area. I love I love Fannie Mae's chocolates. Yes, and and their mortgages are very tasty mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So that was kind of a curious thing, um, but it's it's a non-executive position, so he is free to. Establish what he calls a think tank along mm-hmm. with his brother mm-hmm. and Daniel Gorfine, who used to work for him mm-hmm. at the CFTC. And that sure. that association is to produce, to foster, to develop a, a digital dollar. Yes. So it's the Digital Dollar Association or something like that. The Digital Dollar Initiative, I yeah. think. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, we don't want to not give... Kudos to um, props to Chris sure. Giancarlo in getting two no, jobs yeah. this week.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's 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 out one door and in two others. Yeah. it seems like. All right. Well, I think I think that's going to do it. Unless nope. is there another surprise entrant? Nope. Nothing. It, nothing it, left. Okay. I doubt that the crypto world is going to get boring in the next month. So I'm sure, or the next. I don't know. Uh, I'm. I'm aiming to put these out a little more frequently, um, so we'll get there. But uh, for the time being, until the next time we record, uh, I think that's going to do it. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before nope. we go? Nope, nope. I'm looking forward to news on uh, on the Winklevosses. Yeah, we yeah. That's a nice little teaser for the next, yep, yep. For the next one. Well, okay. thank you so much for joining us, listeners. For more content like this, please visit johnlothiannews.com. We have videos. We have... Articles. We have a newsletter. We have two newsletters, and we have Crypto Markets Wiki, and we have Crypto Markets Wiki, and we have Markets Wiki. Yes, which Markets Wiki is an educational resource, which is written by a curated team of editors who are experts in all matters of the financial services industry. It includes technology. It includes people. It includes jargon. It includes trading strategy. All all kinds of stuff. We have a separate one that's kind of an offshoot of Markets Wiki, Crypto Markets Wiki, after which this podcast is named, of course. So if you are curious about something or you feel like looking something up, check that out. Uh, We spend a lot of time sort of editing it and keeping it updated. So it's something that, if I may speak for both of us, I think we're both really proud of. Yep. Thank you for listening in. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Take care. For more news, videos, and podcasts like this, head over to johnlothiannews.com.